Thank you for joining us for the Grace Abounds podcast. Today we will be joining John Lanier as we survey the scriptures, pulling out themes as the Lord leads. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged as you grow in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Thanks again for joining me for another edition of the Grace Abounds podcast. We're in still in season one, uh, episode 16, and we're looking in the book of Acts. I've been in completely radically transforming my life and uh, uh, we come to chapter 10 it's an incredible chapter I mean I have read it so many times but uh, again just astounded by the the grace of God and uh, that's why I've, I've titled it I've just titled God's grace is for everyone and we see in this chapter there's a huge uh, momentum shift in um, the way that the Jews thought about those who were being brought into the church and what Jesus was doing and what the Holy Spirit was doing in the lives of people outside of the Jewish influence and nation and uh, how God was wanting to spread the gospel as he intended all along to to every people group so that the nations could come to faith in Jesus and uh, you know, at this point, really, in, in in the history of the church, it was made up mostly of Jewish people, um, and and that's what Jesus said. I came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and that's where this whole movement started with a small group of Jews. Um, but what he started doing is give teaching the church to have a, a heart for. All kinds of people. Um, God's plan is to reach as many people as as possible, and that's why in this chapter he has to spend some time straightening out the hearts of people like Peter, who were leadership in the church, had a lot of influence. Uh, what he said went a long way in the church, and uh, he had to really work in Peter's heart because Peter's heart was bent toward holding tightly to uh, Jewish traditions and, and rituals that had been held to for a long time in uh, in the nation of Israel. I mean, God wanted to break down those uh, rigid barriers so that the gospel of Jesus could run unhindered between Jew and Gentile and, and tear down those walls that had separated them and walls that had divided um, God's people as he was bringing people into the church and and I I believe after reading this and and knowing so much about what's gone on in the church for centuries and even today I believe that God's still wanting to do that because there are walls that have been erected and denominational arguments that have arisen in the church and uh the the sad thing about that is it's hindered our ability to reach lost people. And that's why God will always push back against and challenge the traditions and the rules that we have set up unnecessarily. And a lot of times it's an attempt to remain clean or to remain sterile, to keep ourselves pure and holy but in the long run, it doesn't do anything for advancing the gospel into culture and to 
influence people in the name of Jesus. And and that's the sad part, and that's that's what breaks my heart a lot of times. I see that. So so God wants to show us as we read through this chapter, I'll go along and talk about it, that um God is the one who cleans. God is the one who changes hearts. And that he will go to great lengths to reconcile people to himself and to remove all the debris and all the things that get in the way of his move and his power breaking into the lives of people to save them for eternity. So I just think there's a lot of practical application for the church today as we as we look at this. Let me say this before we go on anymore. I truly believe that the church must be a safe place for all people to hear about, to experience the love and the grace of God, and for people to be able to work through their sin in order to be free. And that means the church has to stop being so rigid and judgmental of other people that aren't like us and allow people to have a chance to hear this great news of this great God that we serve by letting down our guard and loving and reaching out to people. That doesn't mean we compromise, and I'll get into that a little bit more as we go, but at the same time, we need to we need to lighten up and be lovers of Jesus and lovers of people. So let's get into it. Acts chapter 10 verse 1 says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. At about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he, so he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. And he will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. And the next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord. For I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. 
for many of the Jews, uh, what Peter was wrestling with here, this was uh, a new uh, era that God is introducing into the church because for many of the Jews, for years they had not any eaten anything that was considered unclean. They ate kosher. And, and so for, for God to reveal this to Peter was just a huge new revelation for, for him and, and the Jewish people as a whole. But what God is, is saying is that uh, this new covenant that I have instituted is for everyone. And, 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 and we're not going to have these Old Testament type of rules to uh, hold to anymore. Because like he said, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. Uh, God is saying it's okay to rise and eat. It's okay to have the meats that you usually abstain from. So this is a whole new different thing. And, and it's, uh, it's revolutionizing Peter's um, understanding of the grace of God. And, and obviously God is setting up Peter for what's about to happen with this, this uh, Caesarean. Uh, Cornelius. So check this out. Now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, so he's kind of trying to figure out like why is God telling me all this? Behold the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry from Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Peter whose surname was uh, Simon whose surname was Peter was lodging there. And while Peter thought about the vision, the spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. So God is in this whole thing, setting it up for this meeting. And then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to this house and to hear words from you. Then he invited them in and lodged them. And on the next day, Peter went away with them and some brethren from Joppa, and they accompanied him. It says, In the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up and saying, Stand up, I myself am also a man. We, we've seen this happen before with, with the disciples. And um, oftentimes you'll see it in the book of Acts where God is moving. People are stirred in their hearts and they worship the speaker or the uh, leadership. And in the leadership of the Lord Jesus often have to redirect their um, their worship back to the Lord God. Say, look, man, we're just men like you, dude, and we're, we're no different. And um, that's how you can tell if somebody's truly a godly leader is if they're pointing all of the attention back to the Lord and not taking the credit or getting the glory that belongs to the Lord. So that's what Peter said, man, stand up. I'm just a man. And as he talked with them, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to 
one of another nation, but God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. So here again, this is this, that whole theme, common or unclean, comes up again. So for many of the Jews, what had happened is they held many Gentile nations and peoples at arm's length because, well, those they eat what's unclean, but we don't. We're clean. And what God is instituting in the church is that the food that we eat is not going to be a barrier for the fellowship of one with another, especially when it came to the Jew and the Gentile. And this is across the board. What needs to happen in the church is that we need to stop looking at people as though there's this barrier or you're, you're unclean. I can't have relationships with you I can't get to know you or you don't think the way I think or you don't do things the way I do things or we don't have that much in common when God's grace opens up the table of fellowship for all who or whosoever will want to come by grace come into the fellowship can come that we don't need to hold people at arm's length now I will say this the Bible does talk about not being unequally yoked or sharing um, in the sense of a deep relationship in a, in a biblical discipleship relationship with somebody that is uh, walking in the flesh and they don't have an attitude that's respectful towards the Lord or they're, um, they're not saved or whatever uh, language you want to use. Um, it's important, yes, that we have boundaries and, and, and there are um, stipulations with those relationships. But that still doesn't stop us from reaching people that are lost, loving people that are outside of the church, and seeking to bring them around the table of fellowship around the Lord Jesus so that they can be saved. Do you understand the difference there? There's a difference between reaching somebody that's lost and trying to bring them into the kingdom by inviting them in versus actually having that deep relational fellowship with somebody that's a believer that's growing in their faith and desiring to, to grow with the Lord. So that's, that's what's going on here. And Peter's saying, God's showing me to not call things unclean. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for, I asked then, for what reason have you sent me? And so Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea, and when he comes he will speak to you. And so I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now therefore we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. So God was orchestrating this, this meeting of, of Peter and Cornelius and his house, and God was um, drawing this man who is a Gentile, someone who is not a part of the Jewish nation. But in the gospel, these walls are being broken down and God is showing Peter in this meeting, orchestrating this whole thing so that Peter can see, 
My grace is so big and so vast that I'm bringing all nations into this movement to bring people to Jesus Christ through his blood, through his cross, through his resurrection. And Peter, I want you to see it firsthand. And that's what Peter's about to, about to share in this. So he says to, to Cornelius, as he opens his mouth, he said, in truth, and, and this is where I want to really focus uh, for our time. In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Okay, so this saying that Peter says of truth is probably one of the biggest topics shared in the scripture. That God is not one to show partiality, which means that there's a level playing field when it comes to coming to Jesus. That no matter your background, your history, your brokenness, your hurt, what you've been through, what people have done to you, it doesn't matter in Jesus, we all have a level place to come to lay our burdens and lay who we are at the foot of the cross it's say, God, I need you. And God accepts us in Jesus. And, and Peter, it's, it's coming to him in this moment. God was using this meeting with Cornelius because even Peter says, I perceive something here. That God is bringing all nations to himself. That even though the truth of the scripture came to the Jewish people, yet... God is using the truth of the scripture to bring Cornelius and his family and the rest of the nations of the world into relationship with God through the Jewish scripture and through the Jewish Messiah and that God is not showing any partiality at all. And and I was thinking about this the other day, how much of the world around us is so partial in how we make choices. And how the system that's set up is so that it's who you know that gets you the foot in the door. And it's what you know that gets you your foot in the door. And it's how much money you have that gets you a place at the table. And it gets you position and priority. And it gets you um, a chance to make it. And God is saying here through Peter, there's no partiality. That he, God is looking for the underdog. He's looking for the one who maybe feels that they don't have a chance and trying to grab them. And that's what God does. He grabs the one who feels like he's the outcast that doesn't belong and says, come on in to the, to the kingdom of God. So Peter goes on to say the word which God sent to the children of Israel preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. God's grace is for everybody. That word you know which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power 
who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all these things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who is ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive forgiveness of sins. Amen to that. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter. So Peter's little entourage that was with him, the Jewish people, they were flipping out. They were like, oh my goodness, the, the gift of the Spirit's falling on these people, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. They're flipping out. They thought, man, we thought this was a Jewish thing, but this is actually a, a all whosoever will come, Gentiles, anybody in the nations around, this is for everybody. God's heart is so big, so vast for the whole world. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. The gift of tongues obviously is a language that's unlearned, but given to us by the Spirit in which we can vocalize our love and our worship to God and give Him praise for who He is. And then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who receive the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. Water baptism is the first step of obedience uh, following conversion and salvation to the Lord. It's an open display of an inward commitment that the Lord has done a work in our lives and he's given us a chance to come into the kingdom of God to rejoice in him forever. And what an amazing... That's why I love chapter 10. Let me just revise all that we've said and close with this. God's heart and his grace is bigger than what we can even comprehend. And his love for everyone is beyond what we could even comprehend. And even though I'm not Jewish and the church in America, a lot of people aren't Jewish. Some people are, but some people aren't. But I would say a majority of the people that I meet, sometimes we can put these barriers, these stipulations on people that they have to check off a checklist in order to come into the kingdom or they have to be a certain you know, way and and God is God is saying in this chapter that He's not partial to anybody. That all who would call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That anybody can come, and that there shouldn't be any barriers or boundaries to the love of God. And so, if if that's you, just take this moment. If you're hearing for the first time the good news of Jesus, that Jesus came and He live the life that we could never live in our place for our sin. He died the death we should have died in our place for our sin. And it was laid upon him and he took our cross and he died on the cross for our sins and he shed his blood for our forgiveness. He was put in a grave and he rose again for our 
justification that we might be righteous in his sight. So he takes our sin and gives us his righteousness. And if you want to receive that, you cry out to him. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I need hope. And I want to put my trust in Jesus because Jesus is the only way of salvation. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Thank you for joining me today. God bless. What an awesome time in God's Word. If you'd like certain topics covered or you have questions about the Bible, I'd love to hear what they are. If you could, hit me up on Twitter. At J. Walt Lanier is my Twitter handle. At J-W-A-L-T-L-A-N-I-E-R. And just drop those questions or topics on there and we will cover those during our Blue Chair Talks. God bless. We are so glad that you joined us today. Don't forget to subscribe so that you can join us for further studying of the word. Have a blessed day.